For over 5,000 years of documented history, people have been using the cannabis plant as medicine. From ancient Chinese medical journals to the modern-day dispensaries, cannabis and its many medical uses have found their way to every continent on Earth. Today, as the prohibition against this plant is slowly being lifted around the world and our technological capacity grows exponentially, we finally have the opportunity to discover what this plant is truly capable of. Please join me, Matthew Myro, as I speak with the remarkable innovators working at the cutting edge of these discoveries. This is the Edge of Cannabis Medicine. Hello, beautiful people. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Edge of Cannabis Medicine podcast. You are here because you know that this is the place you can go to learn as much as possible about cannabis medicine. I talk to researchers and doctors and cultivators and entrepreneurs and anybody who is innovating in the medical cannabis space. I want to talk to them so I can pick their brains and get all of their wisdom through the electronic wires into your brains because you, my listeners, are the reason that I am doing this. I hope that you are getting as much out of all of these shows as I am. And if you're new here, go back and listen to some older episodes. There is a lot of incredible information that is in these interviews. And if you have a chance, please go over to wherever it is that you like to listen to these podcasts and give me a rating. It really helps a lot. Subscribe to the show so you can see whenever a new episode drops. A couple of months or so is about the pace that they're dropping at this point. But anyway, thank you so much. I really, really, really appreciate all of you and all of your ears and your minds and your souls bringing everything you have to this incredible plant that is cannabis. So today's episode, I get to welcome back Christina D'Arcangelo. This is actually the third time that I'm interviewing her. And honestly, it's because she is just that dynamic. She is the owner, founder, CEO of several different companies, uh, affinity groups that work in outreach for patients, uh, certified research organizations. She does telehealth. She makes candles. It's really incredible. There, it's nonstop with her. And we get to dive into some of the projects that she's currently working on. And something that's really, really cool about this episode is that she takes time to meticulously walk us through what the process is for a research project trying to develop a new formulation, a new drug, um, just to understand how something actually works and the efficacy of that something. It was fascinating, and I didn't know half of what she was talking about. So I hope that you get to learn as much as I do, and you enjoy this show. Christina is a firecracker, and you're going to love her, I'm sure. Go back and check out the first couple episodes with her if you loved this one. And without any further ado, here is that interview. I am Matthew Myro, and this is the Edge of Cannabis Medicine podcast, and I am so happy to welcome back a healthy Christina D'Arcangelo uh, for the third time. You are our number one repeat 
attendee for this podcast. I'm just so grateful to have you again. I highly recommend all the listeners go back and listen to the previous episodes. There are gems in every single one of them. And since we've spoken last on the show, there's been all sorts of things that have been happening in your life. Um, some many accolades was a uh, 50 under 50 with, uh, with New York magazine or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and just as a refresher, Christina is CEO and founder of I can't even count how many companies at this point, um, certified research organizations and telehealth and um, advocacy groups. And, and she's a powerhouse in every way possible. And I'm so grateful to have you on the show again. Welcome, Christina. Thank you so much for having me again, Matthew. It's always nice to come back and talk with you because not only are we colleagues, we're also friends. So it's like talking to one of my friends whenever I come on your show. So thank you so much for having me today. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So let's dive right in. Um, there's a number of different things that are going on. And let, let's start with uh, let's start with Avum. Why don't you tell okay. us about this new company and what you got going on there? Oh, yeah. I'm really excited about Avum. So Avum is the commercial company that Spectral uh, Analytics Precision Telemonitoring will support from a technology standpoint. So Avum is our transdermal patch company that actually has transdermal patches, similarly to what everybody knows, the nicotine patch, those kinds of patches, the back, the salon pause patch that's for your back, that's uh, I think by one of the Asian um, pharma companies, Hitsumisu, or one of those ones that I've worked on years and years and years ago <laughs> when I was in my early 20s. Um, so Avram has a multitude of various transdermal patches in the nutraceutical space. I'm very careful to say that it's nutraceutical based. Um, we can take pharmaceutical formulas and put them into a patch which would then be considered the fourth generation delivery method in the biotech pharmaceutical space. So if from my background, you can see how this slides nicely into what I've been doing over the years, which is now formulation and biotech um, product development. So we have various patches that have cannabinoids in them, uh, full broad isolate uh, terpenes, as well as we have melatonin, for example, for patients that can't sleep that may have CBN in, for example, or just melatonin by itself. We have B12, we have D3. We have um, my favorite, honestly, right now is the immune boost patch. I had developed that last year as a result of all the patients that we had coming through the nonprofit affinity patient advocacy that have been suffering from COVID either current or palliatively. So that was how I built a patch initially was based on all the information I was getting from these patients, as well as the fact that I also am an autoimmune patient. I have two of them. So I kind of understand a little bit about that. Um, so we built a very, very um, robust terpene-based isolate patch called the Immune Boost. We're very careful about claims because we certainly do not need to get any warning letters, um, sure. but we believe that based on you know our utilization and most of the patients that have been taking it, that it helps uh, regulate your immune system, whether where you're deficient, it kind of meets you where you're at. 
So things like zinc and quercetin, D, you got all the good stuff in there. All the good stuff in the terpenes, right? Because the terps. And the terps too. Okay. The terps are the magic sauce, in my opinion. You know, a lot of these interviews that I'm on, people always want to talk to me about strains and things like that. Well, I'm a researcher. We don't give a shit about strains. <laughs> you know, we look at the plants and we try to figure out the pieces of the plants that we can extract and use for various things that we understand the plant does in that capacity. Um, obviously not based on clinical research, right? Other than the research that's already out there. Right. I'm talking about, you know, us actually understanding the plant and pulling what we believe is necessary for patients. So an example for that is we have four PTS patches that we've worked on, four different formulas. And most people listening to this would wonder, well, why did she do four different formulas? It's because every patient's endocannabinoid system is different. So you and I, Matthew, are probably not the same. If we did the endocannabinoid testing that we have available through spectral, our blood test, yours is going to be different than mine. So how can we in the cannabinoid space just kind of say, okay, it's like a bandaid, just put this on and it's going to work for you when you don't really know what they're deficient in. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to customize medicine based on the patient, meeting them where they are, which is very different than what anybody really is doing in this space, as you know, because everybody just pumps out these products and they say, well, take this, this helps with weight loss. This helps with hair loss. This helps with pulmonary issues. This helps with, right? It's all this, this helps with, but there's no real true science behind it, right? Sure. There's and some that's been done. Surveys or assessments? How do you gain the information you need about the patient? Or so what we're, yeah, so what we're doing, I apologize, uh, guys, because I'm, I'm still dealing with the remembrance of COVID. So I... <laughs> apologize if I've got the tissue out today. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be on video. We're not, we're not at that capacity yet, so don't worry okay. about it. <laughs> okay, good. Just making sure. <laughs> um, so, so what we do is we build out electronic patient reported outcome questionnaires for each one of the this different types of formulas that we build. So we ask very detailed questions from the patients regarding how they're feeling when they're taking the product daily. Um, they do that seven days a week. The ePro will fire up and send a message to the patient letting them know it's Can time. Can you explain ePro, please? Ele yep, it means electronic patient reported outcomes. Cool. So Thank little you. e, big P, ePro. Um, <laughs> I know we talk a lot and you know, it's not survey monkey. <laughs> <laughs> uses SurveyMonkey to do their questionnaires. And then they ask me, well, what do you think about SurveyMonkey? I'm like, well, are you making fudge or are you making products? What are you, what are you doing with SurveyMonkey? That's not a viable tool. <laughs> yeah. No offense to SurveyMonkey, but it, you know, that's for a different business need. Yes. You know, like, if you want to be serious and you want to play with the big boys and girls, then you use the technology that's present, right? That's real. That's not, you know, SurveyMonkey is real, but I mean, you might as well just do something in Excel and pretend that you've done something electronically because that's about the data that you're going to get out of there. It's not validated. Hmm. So we use a validated system so that that way people can't say I've changed the data or somebody said something they didn't. It's all right there. It can't be changed. Once the patient answers, that's the answer. It's almost like somebody <laughs> says, and that's it. <laughs> you know, like. It's up to them to answer how they're feeling. So that's one of the ways that we do it. But then the other way is 
um, we pulled safety laps. So that's blood draws because the best way to understand people's toxicity and whether or not the product is safe in their body is just to run standard blood labs that we normally get anyway when we're a patient. So we have safety labs that we've developed with a central lab company that we work exclusively with that basically has built kits out for all of our patients that participate. That's great. Thank you. So I want to dive into the terpenes a little bit. I know it's not exactly what we thought we would discuss, but I'm just so curious as it is a part of the plant that we're starting to discover a little bit more about and how they interact with the different phytocannabinoids. But they're unique because we don't need to extract them from the plant per se in order to be able to get the benefits from them. So what kind of things are you finding specifically in how they may interact with other nutraceuticals and the cannabinoids? So I can talk right now specifically cannabinoids versus um, terpenes that we're playing in the space with because, you know, we're in there playing around with all these different formulas from time to time based on what we understand the terpenes to do. So an example of one of the terpenes that I like to use for like, say, for example, in the immune boost is pinene, because if you're having pulmonary issues, um, having an issue breathing, that's what I mean when I say pulmonary, pinene is one of those terpenes that helps open up your bronchial system. It's like, just like it sounds like pine, pinene. <laughs> and so whenever I explain the terpenes, I explain it to especially people who like to cook, right? Because people who like to cook know that they use spices like rosemary and some of the lemonine, lemon, you know, things of that nature when they're making their food. When I was out in California visiting with my adopted Persian family that you sometimes hear me talk about, I, I was talking to them about the pinenes and, and all the different terpenes because they understand the different aromatherapy-based uh, products that they put in their food that they cook with. So when I started explaining to them that the terpenes align well with what you use at home every day, when you're cooking and putting it in whatever you're eating, they understood it better, right? So it was an educational tool for me to be able to explain to them, because a lot of people, you know how it is, Matthew, even now it's 2022, people are still very stigma-based as it relates to the cannabis space. So if you can explain it to everyday things that they're already consuming, especially those in California, you know, because they have all the different herbs and flowers and all the beautiful things growing in their garden in their house right there. It's easier for them to get on board with what we're trying to do on the Avum side, right? If it's relatable to them and they understand how they feel with what, what they do every day and that we're just supplementing what they're doing every day with finding these terpenes that are going to be beneficial for them in various different forms and, and um, different types based on what's wrong with them. Very cool. Yeah. Any way that we can get in with folks, let them understand that this is not an evil plant. We're, no. we're okay here. So, yeah. so, so many of us that have been involved with cannabis in so long, I've always thought about terpenes as just what gives the flower its smell right? and its flavor. And right. we're learning that it's so much more than that now. And so obviously if you're able to use a terpene in a transdermal patch, that clearly has nothing to do with smell. Well, not right. exactly. But I'll tell you, Matthew, that's funny that you bring that up 
because one of our patients who uses um, one of our patches monthly, she's on a monthly prescription, um, she, or subscription, sorry. Um, I always, I converse the words prescription, subscription, because to me, it's like a prescription because being in the traditional space, you know, and for me, it's an everyday thing. I mean, I wear two of our patches every day. They're on my torso. I start my morning every day, but with them. But what I'm, I'm going to say is that the immune boost patch, when you rip it open and you go to put it on your body in the morning, if you just smell the actual little sleeve that the patch is in, you will smell the aroma of the terpenes inside. So it's almost like you get a placebo effect, if you will, when you smell the packaging that our patches are in. Yeah. So this patient told us that she was like, you know, you should make a candle out of this, Christina, because you know how (laughs) I have candles through the nonprofit and a lot of my candles, I went from the terpene profile in the plant back to the aromatherapy sideline. So that way each one of my candles, and I have four of them, each one of them were built on specific back-end terpenes that I backed into aromatherapy. So when you burn the candle, it does create that placebo effect. Yeah. And so, I mean, is it even a placebo effect? Because the olfactory sense is the most powerful sense that we have, and especially mm-hmm. connected to our neurology in really fascinating ways. I mean, if anybody's ever had the experience where they walk into a room and they smell a certain smell and they're blasted back to grandma's kitchen when yep. they were four years old, I mean, that's the kind of thing that smells do for us. So I don't, I mean, you say placebo, you're the expert, but I don't even know if it's placebo. It might actually be a proper wellness medical solution. Well, I think it is. But I say placebo because we haven't done a study, you know, to show that when you light my candles or not even light them. So I, I, when I formulated these bad boys, they went through six rounds of R&D. So that meant six times back, forth, back, forth, back and forth, back and forth to me from my candle partner. And when we got to the sixth round, it was finally fragrant enough. So I have bad sinuses, regardless of the stupid COVID stuff. I've always had bad sinuses and allergies. So my sense of smell is different than most people's. So for me, I needed to have more put in so that I could smell it. But also I wanted to make sure that you could sit it on your desk. If you worked in an environment where you weren't allowed to burn candles, you could still keep it on your desk. And then when you're having a bad day, you could just smell the candle. One of my board members keeps one of the travel tins in his backpack. And when he's stressed out, he owns a dispensary in Maine. And when he's stressed out, sometimes he will go into his backpack and take my candle and smell it at work. And it helps him feel better. I swear to God, that's what he's told me. So, (laughs) you know, that was the whole premise on why we, I worked on these things. I was meditating one night and I came up with this idea about how this could be like a full circle approach for patients to help them feel better. Just like you said, like being able to smell something that's familiar to you. Um, You know, I built my dad's bath line through the nonprofit called Captain D'Arc. And so that has um, sage and some woodsy smells to it, but it was because my dad used to wear polo, the green bottle polo and Old Spice. So I wanted to create something that would be representative of both of those types of fragrance notes so that when I burned it, 
it made me think of my father who passed away in 15. So you're absolutely right with that because that's one of the reasons why I designed the Captain D'Arc bath line the way I did was because of my dad. That's beautiful. Yeah. So you had mentioned that Avum is the consumer arm of Spectral. So why don't you dive into Spectral and tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, so Spectral, you know, that's like my my little pet baby project there, you know, um, because I already had the tech bots um, that I developed in 18, the Canabot and the Doctor Bot that were sitting in a different company. And then when I met Stephen Adler, who's my business partner for Spectral and Avum, who also sits on the affinities as well as my chief financial officer, because all of the companies work together, it kind of makes sense for us all to kind of work together on everything that we're trying to do. Um, so that way, everybody understands what our goals are, all of us at the same time, although it's stressful because it's a lot of companies to be responsible for. Um, <laughs> I really can't imagine it's so much stuff that you do. Oops, sorry, go on. <laughs> it's, it's okay. No, it is. It's kind of like crazy. People are like, I don't know how you do it. And I just constantly split, you know, off with what needs what now. So Spectral, when we were working on, believe it or not, a COVID-19 treatment um, that was two repurposed FDA already approved drugs in combination with one another, it dropped the viral load in four days. We were working on that together. That's how we met. I was hired as the CRO of Affinity Biopartners to work on this with the FDA and then later to work with the White House on this stuff. We decided that it made sense at that time because we're, we, you know, we're a glutton for punishment that we might as well build out our telemonitoring platform because we already had the bots. We already had a commercial company, Avum, and you know, based on my understanding of biotech and drug development and devices, it made sense for us to have our own tech platform. So not only could we use it for ourselves, but also all the other clients that come through Affinity Biopartners, like the diabetic neuropathy study I'm running. We're using Spectral to collect the data for the electronic data capture, which is EDC acronym. That's the way that you capture data based on the protocol you write. The protocol is your playbook for the study. It tells you as a doctor what you're supposed to do when, what visits, what days. Um, there's a schematic that you build in the protocol that's visual, that shows you boom, boom, do this, do that. So you build the electronic data capture to mirror the data you're trying to collect from the protocol. So we built out the standards library already so that when we had the study come up for the DN client, we were easy, we were able to easily turn on the system for them and only program the questionnaires because the questionnaires are based upon the study based upon the therapeutic area. So every time we work with a new client, depending upon what they're working on, if it's an arthritis study, that's gonna be different than a diabetic neuropathy study. That's gonna be different than a PTS study. That's gonna be different than ADHD or immune boost because there's different therapeutic questionnaires that are mandated in drug development that you have to use that are validated. So that is where we have to do some programming, but the system itself is already built and is being used today. Cool. So are you using it for any cannabinoid-based studies right now or yes. recently? Yes, the diabetic neuropathy study is actually a Pennsylvania-based 
originally it started off as a Pennsylvania-based um, clinical study in the MMJ program here in Pennsylvania. That's what we call our program here. And so that's why I called it that because I want to make sure I use the proper term because if somebody Googles it later, I don't want them to look for a medical cannabis program in Pennsylvania because that's not what it's called. <laughs> and so I try to use the right. I think there might be two states that actually use the term medical cannabis. It's still medical yes. marijuana everywhere, which it is so sad. Me nuts. It's so absolutely, sad. it drives me nuts. And like I make my staff, whenever we're doing something, I don't allow them to use the word medical or the words medical marijuana. It's medical cannabis. That's what we work in. And we work in cannabinoid research, right? Because then it, it, it fits all of the cannabinoids. It's not just CBD because the normal consumer would think if I said we work in CBD research, they might think that it's just can that just CBD, pardon me. It's not CBG, CBN, CBD, CBDA, all the different cannabinoids. So I always make sure I say cannabinoids with an S because we work in the entire space, like the whole plant. That's what we work in. Now yeah. we ex obviously extract out the THC. We stay in the hemp space. We do not have a license um, through Avum or Spectral to be able to move uh, products that contain more than 0.03%. So we stay where we need to stay from a legal standpoint right now. Great, 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 great. Um, but sorry, the, the study, the DN study. Yes. So the DN study is a 60 patient study. Um, it's a three month study. So 30, 60, 90 days is when the patients will be coming in. It is a study with participants that are taking gabapentin or Lyrica already, because those are the products that diabetic neuropathy patients typically take that are traditional pharma based products. And then my client um, who is, has not allowed us to release who they are right now to the public. Um, they're waiting until the results come out before. It's not because they're afraid. It's just because we're working on something that's so, uh, nobody's doing this, right? Nobody's working in the traditional space versus cannabinoids. It's nobody's doing this. So we've got to make sure that we keep it very confidential and very quiet for them. So any of the collateral that anybody has seen out there, it talks about Affinity Biopartners. It talks about Affinity Patient Advocacy, the nonprofit advocacy firm. And then you'll see Serena Group. You'll see DNP. DNP is the infamous Dr. Donner. That's his consulting firm that he has full of medical physicians that work in the clinical research space. And then Serena Group is the actual clinical trial site. And they're located in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, which is west of where I am. I'm closer to Philadelphia. They're on the other side of the state. If I had to drive there, it would take me about five and a half hours from where I live here. Um, it's much easier to fly. So it's a, a three-arm study. So that, that means we will randomize, put people, that's what randomized means, putting them in their proper group. There's three different groups. And each group contains 20 patients. So that's how we get to 60 patients. The first group, we just opened up to telemonitoring and electronic patient reported outcomes only. So what that means is we're turning on Spectral's telemonitoring system, which is separate from the EDC, electronic data capture, right. and the electronic patient reported outcomes. It's all on the flagship though. So imagine this big, like, 
ship, right? And there's different parts on the ship. Well, there's the telemonitoring arm, there's the bots, there's the uh, meta crawler that crawls behind, that's another bot. And then there's the electronic data capture, the electronic patient reported outcomes. This is all part of the enterprise. So we get to use the telemonitoring for these patients like it's been built. So they'll actually do telemonitoring visits for these patients where they'll consent electronically. They'll go and they'll do their, their questionnaires and then they move on to the next visit, which is 30 days later, which is day 60 and then day 90. Cool, very cool. And so um, are, are some people maintaining their traditional pharmaceutical regimen, others coming in with the cannabinoid regimen? Yes. And, and cool. Yes, yes, that's the cool thing. So um, two arms, they, uh, they get, actually get steady drug, which that's what we refer to when we do clinical research. I just want people to understand I'm not just referring to the cannabinoids as drug because it's, you know, in some respects still considered a schedule one. Um, what we're working with is Delta-8 mm. and terpenes and uh, CBD. So that's the mixture of, and, and I can't say exactly what's in there, but that's what is in there, you know, high level for the patients to take. And it's in a capsule form. We, we purposely designed this as a capsule because we're, again, if you're going to go against traditional pharma and these patients are used to consuming a pill every day, it makes sense to stay with that train of thought because they're used to taking the pill. We're not deviating from their normal standard, which there makes it easier for us from a drug accountability standpoint, is we have to make sure they take the medicine every day, right? We can't just assume that's one of the failures in clinical research is that people forget to double check to see if these patients are actually taking what they're supposed to be taking. Sure. And what, uh, are you having any issues with bioavailability in terms of putting it in a pill form? Uh, we did not have a, there's, uh, this client has a special technology. This, uh, this technology is patented. And when you actually take the capsule and you move it back and forth in your hands, you know, rotating your wrist, you will actually see the insides of the capsule float as if it's like quicksand in like a sand thing, like when we're learning about time when we're kids and we use one of those sand things, that's what it looks like in the actual capsule. It's really freaking cool to look at. Like that was one of the first things I noticed was how it moves within the capsule. Cause you know, being a researcher, I'm going to touch it. I'm going to try to puncture it. I'm going to see what I can do to mess it up on purpose because that's what happens. Patients don't you know, they're not educated like a, I am who's designing a clinical study. They're going to stab it with their nails, say by accident or, or something, squeeze it too hard because they have a lot of strength. I, I don't know. So I had to do all that stuff to make sure that from a patient perspective, that they can't be broken. <laughs> and then the insides <laughs> are everywhere, you know? Yeah, how, yeah, yeah. How could you take the drug if it's all gone? It comes out, it's powder. Yeah, that's a problem. Yep. That's a big problem. Yeah. Very cool. This is fascinating. I, I, I appreciate, and I'm sure the listeners appreciate even getting a sneak peek into the process behind a lot of this research. Cause who knows? I mean, we always talk about, Oh, we want to know that everything's well-researched. What does that mean? Yep. You, you kind of told us a little bit. That's really cool. Thank you so much. I try to do that because I know, you know, I've lived and breathed this for 23 going on 24 years this year. So in May, and so it's diff- like I have a different understanding, you know, and because of that and because I have the advocacy firm since 15, 
I have a different viewpoint, a different vantage point than other biotech CEOs because, you know, prior to having the nonprofit, I just knew what I knew when I designed trials based on therapeutic area. That's it, right? So like, for example, a diabetic neuropathy patient has uh, lost feeling in their feet, in their hands, extremity wise. And so a lot of times they fall down, right? Which is terrible. We don't want these people falling down because it's hard for them to get back up. It's, and then they don't feel good, you know, and then their anxiety peaks because now they've fallen down. So the reason why I'm bringing all this stuff up is that I've always understood secondarily what happens to these patients based on disease state, but I never got to talk to them because of HIPAA, right? We're not supposed to talk to them in clinical research. We just enroll these patients in that meet inclusion. So you have to have all these things to be included. Exclusion, meaning they don't have any of these things on the list that they shouldn't have, like say psychosis, for example, some of the studies I designed, you don't want someone who has psychosis in it because then that skews your data, right? So for example, the DN study, I don't want any patients that have psychosis because I want to make sure that what they're reporting out in their, their questionnaires is true yeah. to someone who's of the right si sound mind and memory, right? So that's why I'm saying all this stuff because I want people to understand there's a lot of research that goes on behind the scenes to help develop the product. But now, because, you know, I've been in the, for, you know, what it'll be seven years coming up, I guess. Um, yeah, seven years with the nonprofit. I talk to those patients now because they come to me for advocacy support and help. So is it sometimes helping them get into a clinical study? Sure. You know, that's one of the things that we do. But then also I'll recommend products for them if they come to me and ask me for that. So a lot of these COVID palliative people who've come to me in droves, I have a whole treatment protocol I give them now, which by the way, is the same one I followed when I got sick. So I got to see even more so when I got sick with COVID, what I was telling these patients and what they were telling me back was similarly to what I saw as well. So now I feel like I'm even more able to help these poor COVID people now that I had it too. So, and my COVID is going to be different again versus you or someone else, because it depends on what's wrong with us before we get COVID because sure. of the cyto storm sure. that happens. And speaking of, there was some research coming out of Canada with like a, a one-to-one -one CBD to THC ratio that they were finding incredible immune boosts with, with COVID. Have you yep. found anything like that to be helpful? Well, we actually, it's funny you bring this up. There was actually two cannabinoids that we found through our research that will help with COVID based upon what the results are um, that some of these other companies have been doing with the cannabinoids. Now, granted, they're cannabinoids where they get theirs versus where we get ours. We, we all get them in different places. So I don't know if theirs is going to line up against mine. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know what, what, where they're getting theirs from versus where I get mine from. Um, but we do have something that we're putting together that we're going to pilot. Um, it'll be for pre COVID and then post COVID. So that is something we are working on. But what I was taking was, and I can say this out loud because I've, I've been mentioned in press releases. And so I'm not making false claims. I, I don't need a 483 um, in the mail from the FDA because I've said what I was taking. Um, I was taking Escozine, which is by a company called Mediolife. 
Um, it's a nutraceutical product. And we've been studying this in the Dominican Republic for the past two years as a COVID-19 treatment. Um, they're very close to getting this approved by the Dominican. Right now it is approved for palliative. So what I mean by palliative for patients who are listening today, that's everything but the virus. So that's the shortness of breath. That's the gastro issues that you might be having, which means tummy aches, bloating, digestive issues, not being able to taste your food, uh, fatigue. Um, did I mention breathing? Yeah, breathing has been a problem <laughs> for a lot of patients, including myself. So they're considered palliative. So these are things that you're going to have similarly to patients that have autoimmune diseases, cancer, HIV. So you see how this kind of, and I'm not trying to scare people, but that's kind of where you are in the disease state. As far as having COVID now, it's similar to what you're experiencing is similar to what patients with HIV, cancer, or autoimmune diseases have. So the reason why I say that is because I want people to understand they're not alone. Because I know a lot of these COVID patients, because I've talked to tons of them, plus I know how I felt. And I didn't want to talk to anybody when I had it because I could barely talk to people. Um, I felt very alone. It's very isolating because of the fact that you have to quarantine. Yeah. And when you're an educated patient, it makes it even worse because, you know, I had my Apple watch on the whole time and I'm looking at my O2 stats. I'm looking at you know, my oxygen stats. I'm looking at my heart rate to make sure I'm staying where I need to be staying which is very upsetting because you're watching things go up and down and up and down and you're not even doing anything. You're laying down. You're not doing it. You're not exerting yourself, but the way this disease is in your body, it is a storm. It just goes off and it just attacks everything. It's tough. It's really tough. It's really tough. Mm -hmm. Glad you made it. And that you're thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're on the men now. Some sniffles yeah. is probably welcomed yeah. at this point. Thank God. That's it. You know, yeah. sniffles and some breathing issues um, and fatigue. Those are the, and the gastrointestinal stuff. Those are my top four issues that I'm going to um, try to work on resolving because it's getting better, but I'm not, you know, I, I, I would say I'm 75% back, you know, and for DRC, I need to be a hundred percent to be able to fire up. <laughs> You do because you got to split that up amongst so many companies and your kid and yes. your life and everything that you do. Yeah. So I'm looking at the time. I want to be oh, cognizant yes. of that. Um, we got to go. Is there anything that you want to let our listeners know before we take off? I, you know what, just follow us and what we're doing, you know, as far as the advancements we're making um, spectral analytics, precision telemonitoring. I think the best person really or place to, to do, to figure out what's really going on is just to follow me on LinkedIn because everything I do, I have on LinkedIn for all various companies. And if there's anything we can do to help patients, that's what we're here for. You know, that's why Spectral is here. That's why Affinities, both the Affinities are here, especially the nonprofit. Avum, you know, we discount our prices on purpose. We're one of the lowest cost transdermal 24 hour patches we are the lowest cost patch right now in the marketplace. And it's because we want to make sure it's affordable for patients because patients have to pay out of pocket right now. And we know that. And they don't pay to access the telemonitoring. They're not the ones that pay. It's the companies that pay mm -hmm. to provide access to the patients. 
we're very patient focused. So I want to make sure people understand that we do things with intentions and it's for to help the people. That's great. Well, I will definitely put all the links in the show notes. Thank you. I'm going to link to your Instagram too, because it's very inspirational and people should follow that as well. Yes. Thank you so much, Matthew. And I'm so glad to be back. And, you know, once we start doing some more things that we have on the horizon on some of the boards I sit on that you also sit on, um, once some of that stuff starts firing up, we'll have to do another show so we could talk about that with some of our other colleagues. (laughs) Fun things in the works. Always fun things in the works with you, Christina. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. So happy you're feeling better. I know we'll talk soon. Yes. Thank you so much, Matthew. It's been a pleasure. I told you you'd love Christina. She's so much fun. And that's her at 75%, just barely getting out of recovering from COVID. If you want to get the full DRC experience, go back to some earlier episodes where you could find her there and follow her wherever she is. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. Her Instagram is super inspirational all the different companies you gotta go and check out her linkedin profile to get a real flavor for everything that she's doing we didn't even touch on everything which is unfathomable i think five six seven who knows how many companies there are at this point she just keeps going and working and she sits on the board of a number of different organizations some that i'm very closely linked to and i just so grateful that I get to call Christina D'Arcangelo a friend. It has been an amazing journey over these last few years, and I look forward to every last bit of every moment that we get to spend together from here into the future. And all of you, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for getting to this point in the episode. And if you have any questions, reach out to me, Matthew at edgeofcannabismedicine.com. I'm always on the lookout for great guests. If you know anybody that you think will be perfect for the show, send them my email or send me an email with a link to some of their information. I'm happy to go and check out what they've got going on. And until next time, my friends, please stay healthy and enjoy yourself.